The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. At Neighborhood Church, we seek to be a community that loves God and our neighbors together. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. Father, thank you so much for um, your word. Thank you for um, preserving it for our generation. May we uh, preserve it for the next. May we love it and consume it and pass it on. And Father, we know that it's the work of the Holy Spirit to change our hearts this morning as we read uh, the words of Jesus and how he interacts with people while your son was here. And Father, it's the power of your word that will make this life um, meaningful, that will give satisfaction. And I pray that's what we get this morning. It's in your name. Amen. Um, I just want to, uh, as I was praying, I, I, I want to just take note that our back left row today is a team from uh, First Baptist Church, Covington, Georgia, who has supported our church since day one. And we're super excited they're here. Let's give them a hand. They didn't just fly out here to come to service, though it would be worth it. <laughs> this is amazing. And um, But they're here for the sports camp, because you guys know, and there's two other teams traveling today. So um, at the end of the service, of course, we'll be praying for uh, their travels and the, the sports camp. But um, I just want to say thank you to you guys, Cody and your team, and, and all of those who took a week off of work to, to and some of you guys about your families, to come and serve our families in our neighborhood. Uh, I, was, I got to tell a few people this week, we were over 140 kids set up for sports camp and had yeah. me and Eric put on the thing, no more kids, please, you know, so people still called me and I still added them. It doesn't matter in our neighborhood, just so you know, we all have each other's cell phone numbers, but, but there's this, there's this, um, there's this excitement that, that's happening that, uh, what's going to happen this week on this campus, um, for the glory of God. And I'm so glad that many families have, um, trusted, um, the families that live here and work here and go to church here uh, with their kids all week and I trust that we will give them uh, wonderful things to uh, um, to learn about when it comes to Jesus and some pseudo-decent sports training. So that's uh, that's how we sell it to most people. So um, we're glad that you guys have come and we're glad that for the last two and a half years you've said, hey, Neighborhood Church is a place that we want to put our time and resources and energy into and we are absolutely blessed. They were the team that did the very first mission trip at Neighborhood Church. Some of you guys may have been here. Um, um, uh, the, the, the landscaping around the, the school that's still here. That's awesome. They did a good job. The landscaping that's still here um, it used just to be a bare wall of school to grass. And now that we have landscaping, um, I think the kids are happier. <laughs> and I know when we drive by, it looks much better. So this morning, as we continue in our study of Matthew's Gospel, we're going to be in Matthew uh, chapter 15. So that is 820, if you have a black Bible you'd like to look at. I know sometimes when you're listening to a sermon or you're studying, it's good to kind of have your own passage, so you're not just limited to what I happen to put up on the screen today. But let me review a little bit the last couple months, uh, just so you kind of know where we are in context of Matthew's Gospel. He's writing about the life and teachings of Jesus and his kingdom and his rule and reign. And um, I'm just going to go back to chapter 12 where Jesus is interacting with the Pharisees. 
and, um, and they're trying to trap him and they want to destroy him. Uh, in the chapter 13, we talk about uh, Jesus and his parables, these teachings, and why he uses par why he used parables. We studied that. In the last few weeks, we've been studying Jesus' uh, miracles and healings, where he feeds you know 2,000 plus people. He walks on water. He teaches about faith, and also he heals people just by touching the corner of his garment. So we're back in 15, looking at the Pharisees, and I just want to share as I've been reading through Matthew. Uh, this last year, there's kind of this rhythm, there's this breathing to where, uh, through the work of the Holy Spirit, Matthew kind of has this rhythm of bringing up, oh, by the way, there's the Pharisees. It's like this foreshadowing of what's going to happen later on in Matthew. But I think um, uh, there's a reason why this is in the today, um, that we can see some insight why the Pharisees keep showing up and keeps becoming a pattern in Matthew's gospel. And before we read the whole passage, I just thought it would be a good idea. What if we just read what the passage could have been? Okay, so just 15, 1, 2, and 20. Then the Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. And he answered them, To eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. Mic drop. <laughs> like he does that sometimes, but he doesn't do that today, right? There's this whole interaction, and I want to just figure a little bit of that out with you today as, as we're learning to read the Bible together as a church. That why does Jesus not just say this simple answer? Well, I think there's a lot to learn, and I think Jesus uses these moments where he's trying to be entrapped by the Pharisees to teach us something. And as we look through this discourse between the Pharisees and Jesus, um, the title or my goal, my aim today is that uh, we would desire to follow God's heart. That your heart would be aligned with God's heart. That those in the room that have been given a new heart would make decisions based on God's desires, His commands, and His example. And for those still not sure in the room to trust Jesus, but I hope that you would see a loving God who wants the best for you in your relationship with him. So let's read all of Matthew 15, 1 through 20. Then the Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders, for they do not wash their hands when they eat? He answered them, And why do, they, why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded to honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or mother, what would you have gained from me is given to you, is given to God. He need not honor his father. For the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship teaching his doctrines and commandments of men, verse 10. And he called the people to him and said to them, Hear and understand, it is not what goes into the mouth that that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this say? He answered, Every plant that my, my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into the pit. 
But Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. And he said, are you also stiff without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart, evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a person. So what's going on here? Well, Jesus has just finished healing an entire town of anyone willing to come out of their homes, trust this healing rabbi who's walking the streets. If they just touched the edge of his garment and faith in Jesus, they were going to be made well. So now the Pharisees come, right? 15.1. The Pharisees are Pharisees of Pharisees. They're the Jerusalem Pharisees. They came to Jesus to question him. And you might think it might be about healing, right? Or touching the garments of people. Or something related to that. But no, the religious leaders have prepared this question for Jesus. And as I was thinking about this this week, I was like, these guys probably worked pretty hard. You know, they probably had committees formed in Jerusalem on how to stop Jesus. And this is what they came up with. Right? They were ready. They had their comeback, their rebuttal prepared. And they were going to say, gotcha. They were going to say, Jesus, see, you are a false teacher. You are not the Son of God. You're a hypocrite, Jesus. We win. Well, if you can remember chapter 12 at all, uh, that doesn't happen. The big day has never happened and it never will. It did not turn out the way they planned. And this part is pretty confusing. Even when I did my first read through, I was like, uh, Matthew, I'm not quite sure what you're talking about here. So, knowing the traditions and expectations and the commandments um, of, of, the, of the day will help us. First of all, let's talk about this tradition of washing before you eat. Um, many of you probably have this tradition in your, in your house, right? Amen. Uh, but this is a commandment for the priests. And the priests, before they did certain ceremonies and sacrifices before God, they were uh, symbolically becoming pure. Right before interacting with God, but those rules slowly trickled down to the to common man, and then of course became part of the law to the Pharisees. And if you remember, even back when we were talking about Jesus and the Pharisees, the Pharisees are putting all these weights and rules upon the people, and the people were being crushed. And what did Jesus say? Come to me, all who are weary, heavy. He's going to give rest. So Jesus is tired of the weight and the yoke that the Pharisees are putting on people. So the Pharisees proposed a tradition that the disciples were not obeying. So Jesus decides not to just give that quick answer that we read when we first started, but to point out some of the hypocrisy of the Pharisees when it comes to another tradition. And he brings this up. Jesus said, and why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? Because this tradition actually was acting in contrast, the one that Jesus is about to bring up. The tradition was going against a commandment. So what tradition is Jesus talking about here? I'm going to let Kit Hughes explain this. It's called Korban. It was the practice of pledging money 
to the temple to be paid upon one's death. It sounds fine, right? It's like willing some resources to a church or charity upon your death. Well, here's where the religious tomfoolery and trickery comes in. These funds, since they were set aside for religious purposes, cannot be used or given to one's parents in, the hour, in their hour of need. So what here is what happened in Jesus' day. If you wanted to get out of helping your parents in old age, you can simply just declare your goods given to God. The sanctified selfishness would be excusable. You could say to your mom or dad, I'd love to help you out, but you know all this money is korban. I, I can use it for myself or whatever is left is going to be going to God. You understand, right? So this korban tradition broke the fifth commandment that says, honor your father and mother. And parents will often use this with our kids who are disrespecting us or dishonoring us. And I think that's okay. It's, it's true. It's true. So kids, honor your mom and dad. But when this law was given, it was given to a bunch of adults. And wanted to make sure adults weren't giving up on their parents as they aged. So it seems kind of crazy. But God tells us in the Ten Commandments what to do with our money. The Pharisees liked this new tradition. It was twisted. And as caregivers of the things of God, guess where the money ended up? With the parents? It ended up with the Pharisees. So when Jesus gets upset, he doesn't just give a quick little answer about them questioning some tradition that's made up by man. I'm sure he's got a list. And Jesus decides this is the, the chance to talk about this crazy tradition. Because we know the commandments actually are teachings that help us better understand what would please God. In the first four commandments, they're very vertical in nature, about loving God and your relationship with God. But the next six are about interacting with others. And the very first of that is about taking care of your parents. Love them. Love your parents. Start there. If you can't start there, don't move on from there. Start there. Love your parents. This is how to please God. So point number one for today is commandments should be obeyed before tradition. If our traditions ever begin to disregard or even oppose a commandment of God, then we should stop it, maybe, or for sure change it. I'm just going to give you a couple examples off the top of my head. Uh, one tradition, we'll just picture this Sunday service. If our Sunday service ever begins to seem in contrast to God's commandments, then we should make the needed changes. One example is, uh, last year, when we canceled Sunday service, there was a big storm. Many of you guys came out with chainsaws and rakes and ropes. And we walked around for four or five hours down in trees. Right? We thought this would be more aligned with God versus trying to do church with no power 
and us figuring out how to do this or that, when we see our neighbors in need, many of our neighbors, as you know, are older and have no idea what to do with a limb the size of a truck in their front yard. Another came to mind was, and this hits close to home for me, the tradition of uh, Christmas. That's not one of the Ten Commandments, I don't think. Right? Jesus doesn't bring it up. We like that tradition now. That's a good one, right? The way that you and your family does Christmas, does it take away from any of the commandments or any of the teachings of Jesus? It hits close to home. I say things like gluttony. I say things like desiring things, coveting things, over-shopping, overspending. Does Christmas for you or for your family lean more towards receiving or giving? We'll stop with that tradition. But as you can see, there's many things even in the Christian world that sometimes we think because Jesus is tied to it, we must keep doing it the same way. But commandments should always be obeyed before tradition. Next, Jesus relates the actions of the Pharisees to a warning from Isaiah, verse 8. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Jesus connecting the oddity of one's lips being in contrast to one's heart. So their lips, the Pharisees, their lips are honoring God and worshiping God, right? But their hearts, they're far from God. They're wanting to be in command, their commandments. They want to be king, prideful, as we've talked about pride being a great satisfaction in your own accomplishments. Vanity, in vain they worship God. So the Pharisees are double-minded. They have learned how to talk and be seen externally as religiously on the top. But inwardly, they are self-seeking and self-righteous. So point number two is, your heart is what matters to God. So in this gymnasium, I have a question. Where is your heart today? Sit on that question for a second. Where is your heart today? Are there things you are doing religiously that are in vain? Do you worship God and read your Bible and pray when other people are around? Because it maybe builds your reputation in this community that we're forming. Friends, you want your heart close to God. Yes, God's light's going to shine on that heart, and it's going to hurt, because there's going to be things in there that you didn't know were wrong, and you really enjoy them, but if you trust the truth of God's light, as you get close to Him, and believe that he really does care for you. And you're experiencing guilt and disappointment in yourself. Here's the beauty. We have repentance. 
We have forgiveness. Admit to that sin. Confess that sin. Seek your satisfaction in His accomplishments and not your own. Guys, when you do this, God will be the one who's worshipped and you no longer will be worshipped. Fewer people worship you than you think, by the way. But in the kingdom of God, as his child, as you're adopted into his family, there's satisfaction and freedom. Knowing that it is finished and you are saved, his rule and reign bring freedom. And if this is confusing for you, this Jesus stuff, God gives soft hearts away for free. A soft heart that desires Him. He will remove a heart that doesn't care about God and give you a soft heart if you just ask. Now Jesus gives us a new parable about the heart. Because your heart matters to Him. 15.11 It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. So we're back to the original question, right, about washing your hands. And Jesus takes this opportunity to refocus on deeper matters about what comes out of a person being one part of goes into a person. And this is one of those great opportunities. Verse 17. Whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person, but to eat with unwashed hands is not. So look at this next slide. Look what Jesus does here. He stays in the same context. He sits with these Pharisees and teaches the disciples the Ten Commandments. He points to the basics of the law, what to do and what not to do. God wants us to love others, not hurt others. And these are warnings. And out of the heart that's aligned with God, love comes. God knows the very best way we should live. When your heart is prideful and self-seeking, then you don't care about who you hurt. The only thing that matters is your own happiness. This is dark. This is evil. This is hard. And God knows that when you're in that mindset where your heart is there, you're controlled by sin, and you're blind. That we cannot see. And this is why he gave us the law, this light, to know what is coming out of our lives if we need a new heart or not. If we need to align and change where we are. Your heart matters to God. He knows the kind of life 
will defile or destroy you. The rules of his reign are to guide you to a wonderful life. So last point, number three, we will all follow someone. 5.12, or 15.12, then the disciples came and said to him, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? He answered, every plan that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. So as we wrap up this morning, here's my question. Who are you following? Whose ideas, whose opinions are the most important to you? My challenge for you today is to think of the negative blind guides that do not have the heart of God. Think of them. Evaluate your life. Where are the negative influences? Now here's your challenge. Let them alone. Let them alone. Follow God's heart. He has a heart of love, a heart of a father, which is also a God of warning and a God of discipline for your own good. Trust his commands and obey them, not to gain a relationship with others and to be seen as religious, but to gain a relationship with a God you're in love with. Now we all know, if you've been around long enough, that you can't do enough good things, you can't follow the Ten Commandments enough to be in good standing with God. Now, as Christians, we can displease him, for sure. Close with this. Jesus, he died on the cross for the ultimate gain of having a relationship with God and the Father, with us sinful humans. The ultimate gain for us is through Believing in the cross that your sin and my sin can be forgiven and we can be adopted into a perfect kingdom where God no longer looks at those misaligned places of the heart, but he sees Jesus' heart. You guys are going to be removed from the throne of our own lives. But Jesus gets to sit there. Jesus gets to be key. And this is God's heart. I'm going to close with 1 John 4, 10. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the payment for our sins. And the next verse, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And every church, we're about loving God and our neighbors together. Would you consider that as a way of life? Let's pray.